Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days He would gather these lost tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these lost tribes known as the house of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land He gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. Ephraimites and Shalom. This is your host, Mark Reinbold, and this is the House of Ephraim show today. We do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deckard. But first, a word from our announcers. And now, from Cradle of Hope are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the Transition of Church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com. Send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer. Hey, welcome back in this show. It's Mark Reinbold. Got a couple announcements to make before we get going here with our great, great show we have in, in store for you. I just want to remind everyone that we do have a website, www.jewishprofit.com. That's www.jewishprofit.com. And for all you uh, new people out there, maybe the first time, that you've been on, please check that website out. You're going to find out who we are, and you're going to get a hold of a lot of material that you've never seen before. And you want to check that material out because you're going to start to learn the Word of God. And I'm telling you what, what a great opportunity that is. We also have a quarterly coming up here, and you can get more information about that by clicking on the itinerary button on the front page there in the upper left-hand corner and find out what the quarterly and where it's going to be. It's going to be over in Fairfield, Illinois out what we call lovingly the corn patch, and you can be a part of that and begin to learn the material straight from the throne room of God. And I'm telling you what, that is a great opportunity, folks. So grab a hold of this and begin to prepare and to plan and get yourself down here and find out for yourself what's going on, and you can become part of this last day move of God, the House of Ephraim. And again, you can get all that information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. We also have fellowships available online. So, you know, if you're out there and you don't have a local fellowship or, or you want to begin to learn about the material and begin to plug in with the material, not only do we have this blog every day, but we also have fellowships available online. That's via Ustream.tv, and we have one on Friday night. I teach one myself Friday night. You can become part of that. There's also a Wednesday midweek service. And we teach only the prophet's material so that you're assured of learning the right material at the right time. What an opportunity, again, that all is. So, again, if you don't already have a fellowship in your area or you just are interested in learning more about what's going on, please consider joining up with that. 
and you can get more information just by emailing us at cradle at jewishprofit.com. That's cradle at jewishprofit.com. And just say, hey, I'd like to sign up for that Shabbat service that Mark was talking about, and certainly love to get you hooked up. If you want to do it just by the telephone, we can do that also. And you can give the office a call, 618-262-2810, and find out more about that also. Like I said earlier, we do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Decker. Studying the Holy Scriptures. And we're going to now begin the study on the next festival that's coming up. It's called Shabbat, Feast of Weeks, or Pentecost. Now, I am assured that once we get through these and we go back through them another year or two, we'll probably understand them. But until then, it's necessary for us to keep going back and, and reviewing, and some of you may know about the Feast of Weeks, and some of you may not. The Feast of Weeks, Shabbat, Pentecost, all the same as I said, these are major festivals. Shabbat is the second of the three pilgrimage festivals that comes exactly 50 days after Passover or Pesach. It marks the giving of the Torah by God to Israel on Mount Sinai 3,310 years ago. In Hebrew, the word Shabbat means weeks and stands for seven weeks, during which the children of Israel prepared themselves for the giving or the receiving of Torah. In Deuteronomy, the 16th chapter, where we're going to start this afternoon, we will begin to find out why this is important. 16, Deuteronomy 16, and we're going to start in the ninth verse. It says, Seven weeks shall thou number unto thee, begin to number the seven weeks from such time as thou beginnest to pick the sickle, put the sickle to the corn. And thou shalt keep the feast of weeks unto the Lord thy God with a tribute of a free will offering of thine hand, which thou shalt give unto the Lord thy God according as the Lord thy God hath blessed thee. Thou shalt rejoice before the Lord thy God. Thou and thy son and thy daughter and thy maidservant and thy maidservant and the Levite that is within thy gates and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow that are among you in the place which the Lord thy God has chosen to place his name there. And thou shalt remember that thou was a bondman in Egypt and thou shalt observe and do these statutes. Thou shalt observe the feast of tabernacles seven days after thou hast gathered thy corn and thy wine and thou shalt rejoice in the feast thou and thy son. Thou and thy son, and thy daughter, and thy manservant, thy maidservant, the Levite, and the stranger, the father, and the widow, and there within thy gates. Seven days thou shalt keep a solemn feast unto the Lord thy God in the place which the Lord has chosen, because the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thy increase, and in all thy works, and in thine hands. Therefore, thou shalt surely rejoice. Three times in a year shall all thy males appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose in the Feast of Unleavened Bread, in the Feast of Weeks, in the Feast of Tabernacles, and they shall not appear, and they shall not appear before the Lord empty. Now, it's something how God began to formulate or began to press the Hebrew children into understanding that there were certain things that was very, very important to God. Now, today in our world that we live in, there's many things to us that are important. Many things that to us that are very important, and we're not really too concerned as to whether they're important to God because they're important to us. And when I talk about the importance of things to us, of course, I can be talking about 
things that are secular, things that are out here in this world, and things that don't pertain to the kingdom of God at all, that somehow we do what God told us not to do when God said that, that we'd have no other gods before us. We begin to make things for this world gods in which we serve. And many of us, many of us that are, that are God-fearing people, good Christians, uh, Jew, Jews alike, have a problem of not realizing how we make some things gods in our lives. Anything that diverts you from being able to serve God, the Lord God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your might, with all of your mind, then it is another God. It is, if it's your job, if it's your, if it, if it's something that you have bought materially that you serve and, and you, all these things have become, and God said you'll not have it, you'll not have any other gods. Now the sad thing about all this is, is there is a time when you give up the ghost or when you die that you'll have to stand before God and give account. And you'll have to give account in accordance to God's Word, not in accordance as to how you perceived God's Word to have been to you. And this is what's serious about the things of God. Now, he's saying that there's three times a year in which all the males will appear, in, in this case, in Jerusalem. And, we're, and we find out that one is Pesach, which we just came out of Passover. We're finding out the Feast of uh, Weeks, which is we're studying now, which we also Shabbat or Pentecost. And then there's another one that's called uh, the, uh, the Feast of Tabernacles, which uh, comes, I believe, in September. And we'll study that when the time comes. Now, do all uh, people that believe in the things of God, do they all show up in Jerusalem three times a year? Well, many, many of them do. Actually, what they'll tell you is that if you're going to be one that will be an observant Jew, then you need to at least come to Jerusalem at least once. And they're talking about people like us that live so far on the other side of the earth. But the observant Jews in Israel... And those around about see to it that they make these three feasts, and they do show up there in uh, uh, Jerusalem itself. Let's go to Leviticus now, the 23rd chapter. Leviticus 23, 9. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying... Now, again, notice who God spoke to. He spoke to Moses. Speaking to the children of Israel, and saying to them, When ye come up into the land which I give you, give unto you, and shall reap the harvest thereof, then ye shall bring a sheave of the first fruits of your harvest unto the priest. And he shall wave the sheep before the Lord to be accepted for you. On the morrow after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. And ye shall offer that day when ye wave the sheep as a lamb without blemish, and he lamb without blemish of the first year for a burnt offering unto the Lord. And the meat offering thereof shall be two tenths deals of fine flour mingled with oil, an offering made the fire unto the Lord for a sweet savor, a drink offering thereof shall be of wine, the fourth part of, of a hen. And ye shall eat neither bread, nor parched corn, nor green ears, until the selfsame day that ye shall have brought an offering unto, the, unto your God. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings. And ye shall count unto you from the morrow after the Sabbath, from the day he brought the sheep of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths uh, shall be complete. Even unto the morrow after the seventh Sabbath shall ye number fifty days, and ye shall offer a new meat offering unto the Lord. Now, I want to stop there in the 16th verse for, for just a second, because I want you, if you noticed in uh, when we had the Haggadah uh, in the basement of the Seder, 
uh, on Passover, there was a place there which was for the counting of the Omer. That's what they're talking about here. And again, another way of saying, I don't know whether we're going to get to this tonight, is the counting of the Omer. So when, when we begin to realize that God set something up here very important, he set up a time, and, and it dealt with grain, it dealt with the harvest, it dealt with man's survival. Now, back in this day and time, and if, if you'll just give it a, a just about ten-second thought here, you'll begin to realize that they didn't have an abundance of food. It, they didn't have a Piggly Wiggly to run down to and buy whatever they needed. They didn't have the IJ stores. They had what they had growing, and that's all that they had. Now, there was a few things that were sale items that could be bought in the cities, but there wasn't all that much either. It really came down to the fact that they didn't have that much money, so the whole key was that you had to grow it. Now, listen closely. In order to have grown it, you had to have land that was absolutely fertile. You had to have land that had rain that came during the time when you had to have rain, when the seed went into the ground. Then there's another time when there's got to be rain, and I suppose we could have one of the farmers come up here and tell us all about how important certain times are for rain to fall on this earth in order for these crops to develop that we have in this part of the country that we live in. And, that, and God knew that. So what God was doing here, God was setting up a plan that if they would follow this plan exactly to the letter as to which God said to follow it, that there would be more than plenty. And that's what this was all about. So listen as we go on. 17th verse, You shall bring out of your habitation two-wave loaves of two tenths deals. They shall be of fine flour. They shall be baked with leaven. Now, this is different now. Remember, the bread before at Pesach was without any leaven. They are the first fruits unto the Lord. And you shall offer with the bread seven lambs without blemish of the first year, and one young bullock and two rams. They shall be for a burnt offering unto the Lord with their meat offering and their drink offerings, even an offering made by fire of sweet savor unto the Lord. Then you shall sacrifice one kid of the goats for a sin offering, and two lambs of the first year for a sacrifice of peace offerings. And the priest shall wave them with the bread of the first fruits for a wave offering before the Lord with the two lambs. They shall be holy to the Lord for, Lord for the priest. And you shall proclaim on the selfsame day that it may be a holy convocation unto you. You shall do no several work therein. It shall be a statute forever in your dwellings throughout your generations. He said, well, now, what, what, is this, what does this exactly mean? I mean, it sounds to me like they're, they're, they're doing a lot of sacrificing here, and there's going to have to be things that's going to be done, and we don't do that anymore, and you're right, we don't. He said, well, then what's the reason for keeping this? Well, we are to be able to keep as much of the law as we can keep. Now, anything that dealt with sacrifice had to deal with the temple, and obviously the temple is not in position for anyone to use today uh, at all because it's all torn down, just like Jesus said that it would be. And But, so what we have to do then, or what the, 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 the old rabbis have done, actually the sages have done, they begin to take this and begin to say, okay, we're not going to be able to sacrifice the kids, so that, that part's out. So what we're going to get down to now is what have they done now through these thousands of years as to keep the Feast of Weeks. Now, it was during the 49 days between Pesach and, and, and Shabbat that God's people strove to demonstrate that they were worthy of Torah. Now, that's what took place when they came out of Egypt, 
when they were before they went to Mount Sinai, when Moses went up to receive Torah, there was forty-nine days that was involved. On the fiftieth day, he went forth. Now, notice the receiving of the Holy Ghost and the two loaves of bread are associated with Saul at the time of of his anointing. And and you'll notice this in 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 First Samuel ten. And the reason I want you to notice this is that this is a very God does things in certain numbers in certain ways. Now, I'm not sure that we're ever going to understand all of why, but we're dealing with two loaves, and we're going to get to the size. These were big loaves of bread, by the way, but we're going to get to the size of them in a few minutes. But I want you to realize now that he also did something else with two loaves. And we've been through this before, so probably you'll remember. Let's go to 1 Samuel 10, and we'll start in the first verse, and I'm sure you'll remember this was when Samuel was going to anoint Saul. Then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? When thou art departed from me today, then thou shalt find two men by Rachel's scepter in the border of Benjamin at Zelzah, and they shall say unto thee, The asses which thou wentest to seek are found, and lo, thy father hath left the care of the asses, and sorrow for you, saying, What shall I do for my son? Then shalt thou go on forward from thence, and thou shalt come to the plain of Tabor, and there shall meet thee three men going up to God to Bethel, one carrying three kids, another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a bottle of wine. And they will salute thee, and give thee two loaves of bread, which thou shalt receive of their hands. Now there's a great significance in this. After that thou shalt come to the hill of God, where is the garrison of the Philistines, Things, and it shall come to pass, when thou art come thither to the city, that thou shalt meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place with a palsy, and with a temperate, and a pipe, and a harp before them, and they shall prophesy. And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and shall be turned into another man. And let it be, when these signs are come unto thee, that thou do on as occasion serve thee, for God is with thee." Now. When these things come, in other words, everything, everything that the old prophet told him was going to happen obviously did happen, and I'm sure that you have read and we have studied this together before. But the neat thing, again, is to understand and, and try to realize that there was two loaves of bread that was involved in this thing. Now, again, hang on to that because we're going to come back in just a little while and try to give you some understanding to it why. Go to Numbers with me to 28, Numbers 28. Now, this, this festival is, uh, is only a day festival, so it's not going to be something we're going to... Have to, you're not going to have to clean the houses again, girls. Hopefully they're all clean, amen? Numbers 28, 26. Also in the day of the first fruits, when you bring a new meat offering unto the Lord after your weeks be out, after the seven weeks, you shall have an holy convocation. That means a meeting, right? A church meeting, if you will. You shall do no several work. There's to be no work done on that day. And that uh, the convocation will be held. And then remember again, everything with the, with in in uh, uh, in in Israel is done, and by the law starts that evening. In other words, the day starts on that evening. So on the evening, we'll be having a holy convocation toward that. Now this uh, this thing gets a little sticky in places as to what uh, uh, what it is that. Uh, uh, you can and can't uh, have, but you understand that there will be no work done then on that on that uh, next day, which that next day will be that holy convocation uh, that we'll have will be actually on Saturday or Shabbat Eve, 
the eve of Shabbat at sundown, which we're already supposed to be here, right? And then we will have then the next day to do no several work. There is to be no work done. Now, uh, Levi, uh, Leviticus 23:17, you shall bring out of your habitation two wave loaves, loaves of two tenth deals. They shall be a fine flour. They shall be baked with leaven. They are the first fruits unto the Lord. Now, this is called an ephon, and it, the measure is of Egyptian origin. And it contains ten omers. An omer is about two quarts. So it would be approximately four quarts of flour. Two tenths of an ephon. Four quarts times four quarts is about sixteen cups of fine flour. The two loaves were rectangular, four by seven, hand breadth, and four fingers breadth high. And the measurements was 12 inches by 21 inches by 3 inches. Pretty good sized loaf of bread. Amen. And there were two of them. And somebody's going to say, well, who's going to have the nerve to do that? Oh, somebody will. <laughs> we'll, we'll have somebody. Somebody will be, be kind enough to give this a, a, a try. Uh, now let's go to Numbers 18. So that's the size of it. We'll start in the 8th verse. Numbers 18. And the Lord spake unto Aaron, Behold, I also have given thee the charge of, of, of mine heave offerings of all the hallowed things of the children of Israel. Unto thee I have given them by reason of the anointing, and, and to thy sons by the ordinance forever. This shall thine, be thine for the most holy things reserved from the fire. Every oblation of theirs, every meat offering of theirs, every sin offering of theirs, and every trespass offering of theirs, which they shall render unto me shall be most holy for thee and for thy sons. In the most holy place shall thou eat it, every male shall eat it, it shall be holy unto thee. And this is thine, the heave offering of their gift, with all the wave offerings of the children of Israel. I have given them unto thee and to thy sons and to thy daughters with thee by the statute forever. Every one that is clean in thine house shall eat of it. All the beast, all the beast, all the best of the oil, and all the best of the wine, and all the best of the wheat, the first fruits of, of them which they shall offer unto the Lord, them have I given thee. And whatsoever is first ripe in the land which they shall bring unto the Lord shall be thine. Every one that is clean in thine house shall eat of it. Everything devoted in Israel shall be thine. And this is the way that the priests were taken care of. In other words, what the, these, these, this wave offering that they took, after they waved that, the bread, then they were able to partake of it. In other words, God made that holy unto them that they could do that. Somebody one time asked me about things like that and said, well, what happened if somebody else ate it? Would they die? No, well, it doesn't say they'll die. The fact of it is, though, what God is, is, is trying to move us forward or get us into position so we can be blessed. See, that's what God is trying to do with all this. God is not some big meanie going around trying to us to be downtrodden, be broke, be jobless, be unhappy. God is a God that's trying to get us to realize that there is no life outside of Torah. That's what he's trying to do with all this. He set all this up from Sinai, and he began to bring about and begin to show them that all life, all life, all the crops, everything that they had, the, 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 the fruit of the vine, 
everything that was growing, the land itself, the animals themselves, the people that, that, that possessed the land, was not going to be any more than the Torah, which he is, that they would live. If they lived Torah, they would live well. If they didn't live Torah, then things begin to go from bad to worse. Does any of you understand that? The minute they decide they do something different, it quit working. And of course, that's the reason we've dealt so much in relationship with Christianity and Judaism as to how we seemingly have lost out in some of these areas. And it's, you know, it's becoming plainer to me each and every day that I walk in this, this uh, thing called Judaism is beginning to realize that it's all there and it's been there all this time. That if it will work for them, it will work for us. Amen? And now that we found out that the New Covenant wasn't given to Christians, the New Covenant was given unto the Jews, it makes a whole different way of looking at that, doesn't it? Now, promises that God made in regard to the first, first fruits. Let's go to Proverbs 3. Promises that God... God made some promises with this thing with the first fruits. Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord with thy substance with, and with the first fruits of all thy increase. Now, notice he's saying that. Isn't that neat? He says, honor the Lord. So it, when you bring the, 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 the first fruits of your increase, now what does that mean? The first apples, the first, uh, uh, Brother Perkirk brought me the first fruits of, of the, the mushroom crop. Well, that was good. Now, why would he bring them to me? Because I am the acting priest. All right? Now, did he do that just because he was wanting to be nice to me? Well, I hope so. But also, but listen, but also there's another underlying thing here that needs to be considered. See, and I, and I know Perk and I have talked about this before. I mean, uh, I, I think that I've had a tenth of his garden and... and uh, Anything else that he's growing, ever since, right down to the hot peppers that I so dearly like, uh, ever since he's grown a garden. And he has done that, and he's done that, and he's done it. Some of the others of you have done that. I think it was somebody that was trying to figure out how to give me one-tenth of their kitten crop. I quickly told him I was sure that wasn't what the Lord meant. I was quick to tell him that. But you see, there's something about adhering unto the things that God says to do. And that's what's so neat about God. That God came up with his plan. Now, now, now listen as he goes on to tell us in the tenth verse what's going to happen to us if, in fact, that we bring the, the first fruits of all of, our, uh, all of our increase unto him, to honor him with the substance of it. Tenth verse says, So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Now, that's a promise from God. Do you think that works? Uh, I'm just fool enough to try it. You say, what if it does? That'll be wonderful. You say, what if it don't? I said, what if it does? Yeah. You know? That's the same, you know, that's the same old, that's the same old way of, that's the same old thought pattern that we go through. Well, I don't believe any of that. Fine and dandy. I do. Does it make it right or wrong because you think that? It only makes it right or wrong if God said it. If God said it, then it must be. So So what he is saying here is then, he's saying that if we'll do this, he said your barns will be filled with plenty. Now, how can we interpret that or translate that in today's, that your barn will uh, be full and have plenty and your wine presses will burst with the wine, new wine? It means that there will be a fullness in what we do. 
Now, in relationship, again, the, the reasoning behind putting that there instead of saying, you'll have a better job and you'll get raises and all this stuff coming, well, that wasn't much of a deal back in that day. Back in that day, it was a real deal to eat and to have wine to drink. But the fact of it is, that's what they did. And this was something that they could relate to, so God put it in the Scriptures and said, look, if you will bring me the substance of the first fruits, then he said, I'm going to in turn do something back. Now, this is something to really understand about the promises of God. Every time that God makes a promise to mankind, he backs that promise up through his word. In other words, he doesn't make any promises to us that he cannot sustain us or, or come through with what he said he was going to do. And he never makes a promise unless, bless God, there is an actual place for success within it and there's an actual place for failure within it. Well, you say, well, how can there be failure? Only if you don't fulfill it. Okay? Because the promises of God, again, were given to us to bless us, to bring us forth and not, not to hold us down, but to bring us in, not to hold us out. And so in this case, he's saying, now look, this is a promise I'm going to make to you, that if you, in fact, will do this, look what I'm going to do. I am going to, to cause the land to have plenty, the wine to flow, and at and, and that point in time, that was everything to those people. They couldn't, they couldn't put anything down, God couldn't put anything down that would have been more meaningful to them than this, which was, was primary uh, place in their life of that day and that hour, what they truly could understand and get to the, get to the very grip of. So we did it. So again in 9 says, Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the, with the first fruits of all thine increase, so, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. And so we can see then that there's something about this, the, the first fruits. And of course we also know something. Let's turn over in 1 Corinthians and, and be sure to acknowledge, in 1 Corinthians 15, to acknowledge Twentieth But now first first Corinthians fifteen twenty, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Now 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 let's stop and think about that. He became the first fruits of them that slept. Now he was also the first fruit that was to have done what? Was to have been a sacrificial lamb too, wasn't he? It says, For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man is his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward that they are Christ at, at his coming. Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. So because, again of him doing what he was to do, in other words, us being the first fruit of all that, then he was able to uh, complete that which he came on this earth to get done. And even now is, is, is bringing that completion to even an end in our day and our time in this generation. Now, the Torah, as I said in the beginning, the Torah was given during this time called the Feast of Weeks. Now, in Exodus 19... We'll turn there, Exodus 19, and we'll start in the first verse. 
third month, when the children of Israel were going out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai. For they were departed from Rephidim, and were come to the desert of Sinai, and had pitched in the wilderness, and there Israel camped before the mount. And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bare you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a for the elders of the people, and laid before their, fa their faces all these words which the Lord commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord, and the Lord said unto Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in the thick cloud, and the people may hear when I speak with thee, and believe thee forever. And Moses told the words of the people unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people, and sanctify them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes. And be ready against the third day, for the third day the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai. And thou shalt set bounds unto the people round about, saying, Take heed to yourselves, that you go not up unto the mount, or touch the border of it. Whosoever touches the mount shall be surely put to death. There shall not be a hand touch it, but ye shall surely be stoned or, or, or shot through. Whether it be beast or man, it shall not live. When the trumpet soundeth long, they shall come up to the mount. So with all of what was going on, there was a warning given, because evidently the presence of God does cause a certain amount of danger to happen to those people that are not covered. Now, we can talk about the covering of the blood that went on the doorposts and the lintel in Egypt when the death angel passed over them, and the firstborn of all of Israel was spared. The firstborn of all the animals and of all the, all the people of Egypt died. And I'm sure you know that story well by now. But here we're seeing another scenario getting ready to take place that God is about to appear. And he himself is about to make a presence, his presence known. He's about to set Moses up in a position that the people will absolutely understand that he speaks to him because they're going to get to hear this. Now, this is interesting, and I wrote this down, and I'm going to read this to you as I wrote it down when I found it. The old sages understood that the Torah was delivered at Mount Sinai in 70 languages to all the nations. This is what they, they, they believe. Now, the significance of this, and some of you probably already ringing bells here about the word, uh, the, the number 70, and the 70 languages. They believed that it was, de it was delivered in 70 languages, that God appeared as a tongue of fire which went forth from the stone tablets that Moses had in his hands to each of the children of Israel and asked if they would accept this covenant which the Lord God had said that he would bring to them. Now, notice the tongue, the tongues of fire that went forth from the tablets. When they answered yes, the tongues of fire went back and helped carve the stone. That's quite a story, isn't it? Oh, I don't know. You stop and think about it. It's no worse than the bush burning. It didn't burn up. How about the Red Sea or the Sea of Reeds standing up and they walked through dry land and then 
water came back and destroyed all the, the army. I got thinking about that. You know, I've told it probably a hundred different times in places in the ministry, but how people look to be able to, to defame the Word of God by, by, by saying things. And there was this one scientist came up with the fact that, the fact that the, where they crossed the, the Sea of Reeds or the Red Sea was, was only ankle deep. And, and, uh, I sat there and I read that for a while. And, and then, then this guy that was making commentary said, well, that was a bigger miracle than maybe the other way was. Then a, a whole Egyptian army was drowned in a, you know, ankle deep water. So, uh, I, I, I tend, I tend to believe that no matter what you try to do, uh, to, to, uh, make out God a liar, God can counteract that. Amen? And, and I believe that. And so, so these sages, and that was, this was their belief. And again, I find that to be such the, such the richness that's involved in Judaism, the things that we were never told, the things that we have never known, and now has opened this world up to us that we can know and we can understand what they're thinking. And, and I think more than that, we can begin to be absolutely visually tied to uh, the New Testament and, and to the things that went on. And, and the 70 languages, And uh, well, in Genesis 46, I want to turn there and we'll deal with that first, where the 70, these languages came from. In Genesis 46, 46, 26, all the souls that came with Jacob unto Egypt which came out of the loins besides Jacob's sons' wives. All the souls were threescore and six. And the sons of Joseph were born him in Egypt were two souls. All the souls of the house of Jacob which came to Egypt were threescore and ten. Which means right at seventy, doesn't it? So that's where they, they said they came out and there were seventy languages. And in those seventy languages, in other words, this had to be spoken the seventy languages. Now, in Deuteronomy 32... Turn there with me, in the seventh verse, thirty-two, seven. Remember the days of old; consider the years of many generations. Ask thy father, and he will show thee; thy elders, and they will tell thee. When the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people; Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. So there again is the proof that, that it was 070. Now, the Holy Ghost, the Rahakodesh in Hebrew, was given on what would just happen to be the Feast of Weeks. Let's go, let's go over to the book of Acts now, and let's, let's look at how this ties itself into all this. The, the incredible thing of Judaism to me, again, is how it does this. And it does it every time, and it does it time after time after time. And it explodes, and all of a sudden you're going, oh, yeah. Now, now listen, now, now we read what the old sages said. Now, this, you said, well, how old were these? They were old. Okay. Acts 2, first verse. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, now, the day, what was Pentecost? That would happen to be, again, the Feast of Weeks. Okay? The Feast of Weeks, the same time that we're, we're studying now. You know, like I said, I'm going to tell you something. The Jews are fine folks. They're just pretty tight-lipped about who they're going to share anything with. And that's what the problem's been, see? So, so anyway, we so now, now we're all of a sudden, you know, you, you grow and you begin to study and you begin to find out that, hey, this was a festival 
This was a festival of, of Israel. This thing called Pentecost, Shabbat, Feast of Weeks, all the same thing. And it just happened to be, it just happened to be that 50 days after our Lord was resurrected from the dead, that it just happened to be that on this time that there came to earth on the Feast of Weeks on Pentecost, the Rahakodesh. Now, how did he come? And suddenly, in the second verse, there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. Do you suppose that could have sounded anything like the trumpet that was blowing? And it filled the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. What was happening? God was about to do something new, wasn't he? He was bringing the Rahakodesh to this earth. And again, I, I'm, I'm here to tell you that God has not, nor is God ever going to do anything that's an absolute major thing on this earth without it being during one of these great feasts. We'll not do it. Now, we as Christians, and in Christianity, before there was any study to have, to have been made, I'm sure would have disagreed with that by saying, well, God can do anything that he wants to do, and any time he wants to do it. That is true. But listen closely. He just picked it to be one of those feasts. That's what he picked it to be. So there's no way for us to, you know, to go back around this and to play 20 questions, but trying to, trying to somehow visualize how this thing changed. Now listen. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now how many nations do you suppose there was involved there? Seventy? Huh? See, it all comes back around exactly the way God plays the game. That God set it up at Sinai, and God said, Now, I'm going to give, I'm going to give, there's going to be a time, that I'm giving Torah now. Now, 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 what did the Holy Ghost become to us? What did he become to us? The living Torah. Why? Because with, within him, he come to do what? He come to guide us. He come to teach us into all truth, which is the Word. And that's exactly what Torah does, is teach us, guide us into truth. The Holy Ghost came, the Rahakodesh in Hebrew, he came in order that we, he might fulfill within us Remember what, what the Lord Yeshua, Jesus said? He said, I didn't come to destroy the law, but I came to fulfill the law. And, and when all this started coming down the way it came down, and, 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 and we thought that Jesus came and did away with the old, what we call the Old Testament, part of the fulfillment, because it was Yeshua, Jesus, that said that it is expedient that I go away. But he said, I am not going to leave you comfortless, because when I go, he said, I'm going to send back to this earth the Raha Kodesh, the Holy Ghost. And he shall guide you, and he shall teach you into all truth. So you see, that was part of what Jesus, Yeshua, 
was trying to say that he was fulfilling. He said, I am fulfilling. I am fulfilling. And when it all came down to it, we begin to understand that Jesus came and fulfilled what it was that the first Adam could not do, being the second Adam, being in him, Yeshua, or Jesus. And he fulfilled that. And from that time on, we have had a hold of something, and folks, we didn't even know what we had a hold of. Because now, as this begins to open up and this whole scenario begins to take place, now we are, we are beginning to see, we are beginning to see what it is that is taking place. Now, now they, they, they go on down through here, and of course they have a big thing, they think they're drunk, and they think that, you know, they, all they, they're thinking, they're speaking in their other languages and their own tongues and all this is going on. In the 14th verse it gets to this. It says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice. And said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing that it is but the third hour of the day, meaning 9 a.m. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now, what did Joel know about this? Everything. And it shall come to pass. In the last days, saith the Lord, or saith God, I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. He says, And I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever call shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. What's he saying? Well, of course, he's prophesying on past that day. The fact of it is that was the outpouring, the Holy Ghost, the Rah HaKodesh coming back to earth. But the fact of it is, we are still waiting, and we are we are at the very doorstep of the uh, in the 19th and the 20th verses that it was going to come to pass. We're right now standing standing absolutely on top of the, the 17th and 18th verse right now. The outpouring, the outpouring, the outpouring, the strength of the outpouring of the Rahakodesh. You know, I I can remember. It's been a year ago or so, maybe two years. Probably 1994 would make it a bit further back than that, wouldn't it? When I begin to talk about, and most of you in this room begin to hear me talk about a great outpouring of God that was going to come and saturate this earth sometime either before or right after the turn of this next great century that we're embarking ourselves upon even now. And during that time, the outpouring would be so great that the manifestation of God would be like it was back in, in the turn of the last century when we, we, we called it the great Pentecostal century, when the Rahakodesh became so active in, in men and women's lives and the power of God began to manifest himself and miracles began to happen and nobody could claim praying for somebody and laying hands on somebody because God was just out doing his own thing. And that once again is coming to the, coming to what we call the church on the face of this earth. And we're the recipients of it. And it's going to come, just as I said, it's going to come, but it's going to come just like God told us it was going to come. It's not going to come through, through, through organizations out here trying to think that they don't need the God of the Old Testament. 
It's going to come through people that are serving God with everything that's on the inside of them that has let Torah come alive in them and them alive in Torah. And in, in regards to that, we will see then, and I can see, I can never see, I kept saying to God, how could this be? How could this be when brothers and sisters can't even, I mean, rip each other apart and can't even, you can't even be kind to each other? I said, God, how? I, 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 would, I, I was concerned about this. I knew the vision. I'd seen the vision from God. And yet I was questioning God, and I was saying, God, how could this be? And this, uh, this church thing is a mess. We've been through some of that mess here over the last four, five, six, eight months, even ourselves, and, and went through it. How could it be? How could there ever be a God that would come down and manifest Him into, into, into people's lives into such magnitude as they had even in the turn of the last century, and not even be able to love your brothers and sisters? Something was wrong. Something was sadly wrong. I kept seeking and searching out God. And I stand here before you today, and I can see plainly now. Torah will change your heart and your life. Because your life is within Torah. And now listen, you say, well, where's Jesus? <laughs> Jesus was there all along. Wasn't he there in the beginning? I've had people say, well, well, Jesus isn't in Torah. Well, then, who was it that they made in their own image? He was there in the beginning. He has always been there in the beginning. And now that we face the, 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 the greatest outpouring and the last outpouring that this earth will ever see, it's sort of a lonely deal so far. Hey, God makes some great recoveries, though. You'd be surprised what God can do in the hearts of man. Amen? You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised what it will happen when this kind, of, this kind of thing gets in the hands of just what happens to be the people that put the mark of approval on things. And I can go all the way back to the days years ago, back in 1984, uh, when I was a pr I was preaching against Halloween, and 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 oh, I go places and, they, and they'd want to run, they'd want to run me out of town on a rail. Said, how can you preach? How can you preach against Halloween? We don't see anything wrong with that. And I said, I said there'll be a night they come when there'll be some television preacher who'll decide, hey. And thought, well, this is, this is, this, I'll get, and got on and began to play that, play that tune. Same old tune, wasn't it? And today, poor people are starting to say, hey, better be careful of that Halloween thing. What is it about all that? I'll tell you what is it about it. There's gotta be some of us gotta be strong enough and bold enough to plant the seed. Some of us strong enough and bold enough to take the criticism. And I'm gonna tell you, if you can't stand the heat, you're in the wrong kitchen. Hear what I'm telling you? Because the, I'm, this is this. As I said, this is it. This is the last outpouring of the Holy Ghost, the Rahakodesh, on the face of this earth, and it is a return back to, and it is a walking back and embracing Torah, embracing our Jewish roots of which we should never have left. And now that we're walking back into it, and we're learning all these things that we're learning, and we're finding out that, bless God, that we are going to absolutely overcome. Why? Because God said, just what we read, what we studied here this afternoon, that if you'll bring the first fruits to Him, bring those first fruits, He says that He'll do what? He'll fill up your, He'll fill up your barns. 
He'll fill up your lives. He'll fill up your... If it's work you need, there'll be work. If it's this you need, it'll be that. If it's your family, it'll be your family. Whatever it is that you have need of, God's going to do it. Why? Because God's arm's not too short. You know what's been wrong with man? Man hasn't understood the arm of God. We have tried to subsequently run to him and not let him come to us. Now, you think about that for a minute. We have run to him and missed him. When he comes to us with revelation, it all comes in place and it all finds its place. And once it begins to find its place, then, then it begins to cry out and it begins to, it begins to suffice that, that, that hunger that's within, down deep within our souls. And now God is bringing forth. Now God is saying, 70 languages. The old sages said there was tongues of fire came off of those stones, those two pieces of stone that Moses had. Went out and set upon the people. Well, we just read that in Acts, the book of Acts. Said it set upon the people. Isn't that what it said? Huh? It says, it says, it says, it says, it says no, let me get, make sure I got it right. And suddenly there came a sound of heaven, rushing mighty wind, and filled the house where they were sitting, and there filled unto them cloven tongues of fire, and it set upon each of them. Same setting, if you will. Same resting of the Spirit of God upon them. So has anything changed? No, nothing's changed. We're just now starting to be able to take the key and begin to unlock. And we're beginning to see into the mysteries of God, the things that we were never told. But again, it wasn't so much that anybody was keeping a secret in Christianity. Christianity just didn't have the answers. We didn't have the answers. We thought we had all the answers. And if you don't think so, ask us. The problem is we didn't have the answers. We didn't even know the questions. Because we didn't have the richness, we didn't have the fullness of Judaism to draw from. And I'm telling you, it's just like a kid at Christmas, isn't it? Just like a kid at Christmas. Every present that you open, look at that. I've never seen that before. Where did that come from? And that's the way it's going to stay for a long time. Amen? Hey, thank you again so much. That's Prophet Tom Deckard, Mount Carmel, Illinois. Cradle of Hope Ministries. Again, you can get more information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. Get out there, do yourself a favor, find out what's going on here, and you won't be disappointed. So again, you can also get more, all the tape series is out there on the website for you to get a hold of. I greatly encourage you to get all that. You can also email your prayer request to cradle at jewishprophet.com, and we'll be praying for your prayer request. Again, that's cradle at jewishprophet.com. Shalom. Until next week, remember, with God, all things are possible.